2: Hey everybody, it's Tuesday, December 26th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. Got a fun episode for you today. We got our biggest takeaways from Week 16+. Plus, We're airing grievances as part of Fantasy Festivus, and Matt is going to drop by with his top waiver-wire targets for Championship Week.
3: Did you have a Merry Christmas, Mister Florio? Uh, for real life, yes. For fantasy, no. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Christmas, those are new, aren't they? Uh, they are. I did.
2: I got some new kicks. Whew. Shout out to the wife for uh, these nice new pair of Jordans, the patent leather with the gold, <laughs> the gold swoosh. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a. I, I'm sort of with you. it was a good day overall. Enjoyed it. I had to spend time with the family. Ate way too much food. Have way too many leftovers. Um, fantasy was sort of a mixed bag. Uh, Good in one league, not so good in others. And then the night ended with the 49ers getting thumped by the Ravens. That was not fun, at least not for me. Uh, It was kind of a mixed day, but I'll I'll take it on the whole. Um, Got a lot to talk about on the show because we got our biggest takeaways from week 16, our top performers, disappointments. We will have some waiver wire targets with Matt Okada joining us later. And... We got Fantasy Festivus. Yeah, I know it's a few days late from actual Festivus, but this is our first show since then, and uh, we're going to air some grievances uh, about what we saw over the weekend and maybe over the course of the season as well. Uh, of course, we are here with you a little bit later than the normal. We normally do a Monday show, but Monday was Chris. You know the whole deal. Anyway, uh, let's get to some fantasy headlines because that's normally what we do at this time of the show, uh, starting in Kansas City where things don't look great for the Chiefs. Uh, they suffer an ugly loss to the Raiders, uh, and then Isaiah Pacheco, their star running back, suffers a concussion. We'll see what his status is for week 17. But you got Isaiah Pacheco in concussion protocol. You've got Jarek McKinnon on injured reserve. Is it C E
3: H S Z N? It is. If Isaiah Pacheco is out this week, Clyde Edwards-Alaire becomes a running back that you 100% should start in the fantasy championships this week. Uh, the Bengals have struggled against the run, particularly in allowing a lot of explosive runs this season, and but Chiefs, man, like... Were you guys out to get Pacheco this week? His helmet comes off twice in the same play. His O-lineman kicks him in the head. He goes to sit on a table, and the table collapses. Uh, I guess that's kind of a innuendo for how the last like six weeks have been for the Chiefs' season, but man, it, everything went wrong for Isaiah Pacheco this, this past week, outside of that one really impressive run for the touchdown. Yeah, it really did. Here's the thing about CEH, is that he really has
2: been – very quietly getting a bigger role in this offense. Those couple of weeks when Pacheco was out with an injury, we all thought maybe this is when it goes to be maximum McKinnon and it never was. CEH had the majority of the snaps, he was getting most of the rushing attempts. It was McKinnon getting the the targets, uh, but Clyde Edwards-Aller was getting a lot more work than I think we anticipated. And so, even when Pacheco came back, Edwards-Aller was the RB2 in this offense. Now, if there is no Pacheco and there is no McKinnon, uh, it may be all CEH all the time in the Chiefs backfield. The question becomes, can the Chiefs score points, which is not a thing you're used to saying about a Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs offense. Uh, I know my friends who are Raider fans are enjoying it. I know Josh is trying not to smile too big over there uh, behind the table Uh, in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin says that Mason Rudolph currently on track to be the Steelers starting quarterback this week against the Seattle Seahawks. Rudolph came out of nowhere and had a huge game this past week against the Bengals. I was I was out with the fam uh, just kind of enjoying the day on Saturday, stopped by uh, a sports bar, just kind of walked by and saw the score and was like, oh, my God, (laughs) like did not expect the Steelers were going to thump the Bengals the way they did. And Mason Rudolph had a day. So I guess first question, would you stream Mason Rudolph this week?
3: in two QB leagues i do think he is in play uh because i mean in two quarterback leagues we're getting pretty desperate and in one league let's say two quarterback league I could have been going for a three-peat this week had I started Mason Rudolph over Case Keenum. I'm never playing Case Keenum ever again. Uh, But (laughs) Mason Rudolph looks good. Like I I know it was a couple of long touchdown passes to George Pickens, but that is something that is in the the realm of possibility with the Steelers. Now, yes, the the floor with Mason Rudolph is probably single digits. So, again, that's why I think he's best left for two quarterback leagues. But if you're in that format, I think he comes into play.
2: I think he definitely comes into play. I just worry about the variance with Mason Rudolph because there's a wide swing. He'll give you games like you saw on Saturday and then he'll be awful. And this is a scary time of year for him to suddenly show up and be awful for you in week 17. So that's my only concern with starting Mason Rudolph coming up this week against a Seattle pass defense that has been okay at times. The run defense has been much worse for Seattle than their pass defense has been. But on the other side... Uh, George Pickens went kaboom this past week, 195 yards. Um, Joel Smith, our excellent researcher, pointed out that I think 29% of George Pickens' fantasy production this year has come on four plays. Wow. That, that, that's, who <laughs> that's who George Pickens is. That's who George Pickens is. So, I mean, taking that into account, with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, how do you feel about you know, Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, any of the pass catchers in that offense?
3: The only one I would play is George Pickens because the upside is so high. I understand that the floor is single digits as well, um, but, like, Deontay Johnson needs a touchdown to get double-digit fantasy points. Pat Fryermuth needs a touchdown to get more than five fantasy points, it feels like. And there was an article that came out on Steelers.com before this game this week. And that was like uh, Mason Rudolph has great chemistry with Deontay Johnson. He's going to go rely on him whenever he needs to two catches for 15 yards. Yeah, that, that was a complete swing and miss. Uh, the, the only one I think you could even consider playing is Pickens. And that's because of the ceiling. Understand it's very boomer bust.
2: It is very boomer bust. And so I think I'm with you. You're starting Pickens just sort of understanding that it could be great. It could be, you know, two catches for 25 yards. I mean, that really is the the range of outcomes for a Mason Rudolph, George Pickens pairing. Um, Deontay Johnson is just he lives in a tiny house, right? The ceiling and the floor are very close together. And I think with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, both of those are a little bit lower than they normally would be. Remember back when everybody's like, oh, Mason Rudolph's going to throw to James Washington when like the Steelers. Because like, they were college teammates and they were roommates together. And like that, that nope. didn't work out at all. <laughs> Yeah, that that didn't work out even a little bit. Um, All right, so that is what we're sort of looking ahead toward. Of course, we'll have more later in the week as we learn more about what the the status of some of these players are. In the meantime, let's take a look back and get some of our biggest takeaways from Week 16. What is a thing you learned from what you just watched?
3: Uh, The Fantasy Semifinals Week continues to be the week every single year where weird stuff happens in fantasy football. It used to be Week 15. Now it's Week 16 where... Uh, I don't know about you, Marcus. In most of my leagues, it feels like the top teams all got eliminated <laughs> right. this week. Uh, you you look at like the, the the leaderboard this week. Okay, Josh Allen QB one. Then it's Derek Carr and Joe Flacco as top three quarterbacks. Joe Flacco didn't have a team six weeks ago. Uh, look <laughs> at the wide receivers. You get like George Pickens as a as the number two uh, tight end. It's Chica Conquo. You could have played Jason Sanders like I did in the fantasy live league who routinely puts up single-digit fantasy points and had not top 12 in a game, and he drops 22 on you. Like, this week is the week where, and it's always late in the year, so much changes. You could think in week 12 that you have a great team, but you need to keep making moves and stuff because weird stuff is going to happen, and these players that are on waiver wires and and week 10, 11, 12 might win you a championship come week 16. It's sort of like uh, the olden days when Dave Letterman used to do his nightly top 10. Number two was always
2: funnier than number one um sort of the same way the the fantasy season there week, to, the second to last week is always a little bit weirder than the, the last week um pending the offseason Patrick Mahomes I'm gonna amend this so like I think I, when I wrote this originally I was a little bit in my feelings and I said not a top 10 quarterback next season um I, I'll say top eight but either way I think what we've seen of Mahomes in the Chiefs offense is concerning um We're seeing teams sort of put somebody over the top. The the Chiefs don't have the speed to really beat you down the field now that they don't have Tyreek Hill. They're really starting to clamp down on Travis Kelsey, who hasn't scored a touchdown in what feels like a couple of months now. And you're seeing Patrick Mahomes sort of look like a mortal back there. It didn't help that they're turning the ball over and looking sloppy. But the Chiefs have really been winning with defense and staying in games with defense. And we've all been kind of waiting for their offense to kick it into gear, and it hasn't happened. And Rasheed Rice has been a nice addition to the offense, but he's not really a downfield threat. You're not getting anything out of you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That's not really a surprise. Sky Moore is a bust. Kadarius Tony is somewhere in outer space, it seems like mentally a lot of times. This offense is not what we're used to seeing. And unless the Chiefs go out, whether it's in free agency or in the draft, and add some really dynamic pass catchers who can stretch the field, who can be a threat away from the line of scrimmage, uh, Patrick Mahomes is not the slam dunk top three quarterback pick that we've been used to seeing the last few years.
3: And and in a year where every quarterback is dropping like flies, he is the QB seven in total points and even lower in points per game because you have guys like Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields who missed time Kirk cousins, but we're averaging more fantasy points per game than Mahomes And, I, this is something I put on Twitter. Like, you're going to hear a lot of talk about like early round quarterback was a bad mistake. No, it was only bad if you took Mahomes over Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> right. If you took those other two, you are fine in loving that strategy. Yeah, Josh Allen's the QB one. Jalen Hurts is the QB two. I mean, and Lamar it's not Jackson, even close. Right,
2: Lamar Jackson was a fairly earlier round quarterback. He's the QB four right now. Those guys all did you well, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, was the one who let you down a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, we talk about tight ends and how the tight end position has gotten deeper, and then we got got burned by a couple this week.
3: (laughs) Oh, we got burned by a whole bunch this week. Laporta had less than five. Don Kincaid is unusable right now, but... Trey McBride was the one that I thought was a little... Because, like, look, as awesome as Sam Laporta is, he has been a little up and down week to week. Trey McBride was the exact opposite. He was giving you double digits pretty much every single week and most weeks giving you over 20. That did not come to fruition this week. Uh, He finished with... Just it was nine fantasy points, six catches, 31 yards, uh, which isn't a bad game for a tight end. Like if that's his floor, that that's a good thing. But I needed Trey McBride to be big, like regular Trey McBride this week. And he he wasn't. And watching that game, it was more of a struggle than even the fantasy numbers appear. Like they were hitting him hard and stuff. It Hey, it's a reminder that even your stars can have a down
2: game. Even the starters can have a bad week. Uh, look, if you survived it? Chance from the bounce back against the Eagles, but uh, if you did not survive it, well... Uh, sorry about your luck. Uh, My last one is that your fantasy wide receivers can still succeed even with a backup quarterback. And it's, this is not just, I guess, a week 16 takeaway. This is a takeaway from the last few weeks of the season, but specifically, I mean, we look at George Pickens and what he did with Mason Rudolph. We've seen KJ Osborne go out and have big games, whether it's been with Josh Dobbs or Nick Mullins, uh, T Higgins going out and balling out with Jake Browning. I think we all kind of fall into this mindset that when a backup quarterback's coming in, that everybody's going to take a big step back and everybody's going to be downgraded. And in some cases that really is the case, but I don't think we should just automatically discount a guy because the quarterback isn't the normal starter, especially because a lot of times these guys end in situations where they have to throw the football a lot. And so uh, it's that reminder that if a quarterback is bad, It doesn't necessarily mean that the wide receiver is going to be bad. We've seen a lot of QBs uh, have awful days, but their pass catchers go out and succeed. So uh, just a little thing to kind of keep in your back pocket for maybe the remainder of this season and going into next season as well. That the backup QBs do not equal necessarily equal poor production from wide receivers. We're going to talk about some guys, though, that did not give you bad performances. We're going to talk about the top performers of the week. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about some disappointments, too. That's coming up next here on the NFL Fantasy Football Show.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
2: Top performers for week 16 and we're actually all done. Normally we do this. We still have the Monday night game to go, but that's all over. Uh, Josh Allen, your top scoring quarterback, just a shade under 25 points, uh, which seems kind of low for the top scoring quarterback in any given week. But here we are. Brees Hall had himself a day. Two touchdowns on the ground, also 12 catches for 96 yards, 43.1 fantasy points. That was not good enough to be the top scorer of the week, though, because Amari Cooper went for 11 catches, 265 yards And two touchdowns, 51 and a half points. Fun note about that. That was not the highest score of the season because uh, Jamar Chase had 52 points earlier this year uh, for the Bengals. George Kittle, seven catches for 126 yards. Nearly 20 points for him. Jason Sanders, as you mentioned earlier, Florio. uh, Five field goals, one PAT. That was 22 points. And the Raiders defense, uh, 21 points against the Chiefs. Four sacks, a pick, a fumble recovery, and two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns coming on back-to-back Offensive plays for Kansas City, which is a thing that you just don't see.
3: The, the Raiders should have had another interception on Mahomes too. That was clearly a pick, in my opinion.
2: Looked like it, uh, but but he got away with it at least you know temporarily. So uh, the Raiders them having themselves a good day, and you know maybe we'll see if this is enough to get Antonio Pierce uh, the interim tag removed and just making him the, the head coach. You would think so. Stranger things have happened. Uh, But let's talk about the top performers from the week. And I I don't know how we don't talk about Amari Cooper and not only what he's done with Joe Flacco, but specifically what he did on uh, week 16.
3: Yeah, 265 yards broke Josh Gordon's Brown franchise record. I was a little sad to see Josh Gordon lose that record. Uh, Two touchdowns, 51 and a half fantasy points. And the thing is, he is a wide receiver one this year. Uh, and look at who his quarterbacks have been. He had four games, I think it is, five games, something like that, with a full, healthy Deshaun Watson. It's been DTR, uh, PJ Walker, and now Joe Flacco, who's getting the most out of this. Joe Flacco's playing the best ball of his career somehow. I don't know. Uh, but Amari Cooper, over 20 fantasy points and over 100 yards in each of his last two games. A must. I, I know he plays the Jets this week. Very tough matchup. I do not see how he, there's any way you get away from Amari Cooper. You can't
2: not play. Amari Cooper this week, I don't care what the matchup is because uh, he's actually averaging twice as many points with Joe Flacco as he did with any other quarterback uh, in Cleveland so far this year. Uh, I'm going to go back a few days and give you Jameer Gibbs. And maybe some of it's me being salty because I played against Jameer Gibbs in a league and uh, was really frustrated seeing it be all Jameer Gibbs and no David Montgomery in the second half. But it's a reminder of how explosive he can be when he gets those opportunities. The 80 yards on 15 carries, a couple of touchdowns on the ground. And we have seen as the season has gone on that the Lions feel more comfortable expanding his role, giving him more opportunities. Now, look, I don't think that all of a sudden next year he's just going to completely push David Montgomery aside. I think it's still going to be kind of a two-headed backfield back there. But the Jameer Gibbs we're seeing now is the guy that we anticipated seeing at the beginning of the season. So uh, shout out to the Lions for giving him the opportunity and shout out to Gibbs for taking advantage of it. So Gibbs having himself a day. We said last week that there were still two Jets you could count on, Garrett Wilson and Breeze Hall. I know Wilson got a little bit banged up, but it didn't really matter because Breeze Hall was kind of doing his thing.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And just look at the last two games for Breeze Hall, and this kind of tells you how the Jets offense has been in a a microcosm this year. But 43.1 this week, 2.8 the week before. Most weeks, he's good for like... 10 to 12 fantasy points, but it's just a reminder of, like, this is why you stick with someone as explosive as Brees Hall, and look right there, 16 targets, 12 catches, And it looks like Trevor Simeon is going to be the quarterback again this week. He is going to dump it off plenty to Brees Hall. Even in a tough matchup against the Browns, you have to start him. I'm facing him in a championship week, and I am bracing for another 20-point performance on Thursday night. It
2: very much seems like it could be in the cards. Because, again, there are only really two places that the Jets can go with the football. It's Brees Hall. It's Garrett Wilson. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game against the Browns, but that doesn't mean Hall's not going to get a ton of touches there. Uh, Look, what we saw this past weekend from Derrick Henry might be the last great Derrick Henry performance we get with him in a Tennessee Titans uniform. I know the speculation is that this is probably the last go around with him. I think he's even sort of kind of hinted that that he may be moving on from Tennessee. They've got the Texans this week. Uh, they got the Jaguars next week. Yeah, and look, I know hi- historically he has played very well against those teams. But I think what we saw out of Derrick Henry, the the 88 yards on the ground, the the touchdown, uh, even a 12-yard touchdown pass to Chigakonkwo, uh, this feels like sort of the last big hurrah for Derrick Henry. It's kind of good to have it, especially to bounce back from that game the week before against the Texans. We talked about it, the 20 touches for 10 total scrimmage yards. Um, it was sort of nice to see him get back to being Derrick Henry again. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what we do with him next year. I think he's the guy who probably falls into what? fourth round maybe in drafts. Depends where he ends up. Yeah. uh, Very true. So, uh, but, but at least for one more week, you got a really solid Derrick Henry performance. Uh, James Conner, man, this dude's eating against really tough matchups the last few weeks.
3: Yeah. He, he, for a while, the last few weeks in a row now has had a, like Marcus said, a bunch of tough matchups. He finishes the RB four on the week. uh, Gave you, Almost 23 fantasy points last week against the 49ers gave you 18. The game before that against the Steelers gave you 23. He is so hot right now. He is getting a lot of volume. And one thing I said last week on the show was like, they're giving him all the volume on the ground. We need to get him more involved in the passing game because that's how you could take advantage of a matchup like the Bears. And that's exactly what they did. He had more rushing, y- uh, receiving yards and rushing. He had a receiving touchdown. Now he gets the Eagles this week, a very tough defensive line to run on. But if they're getting him involved in the air, I think I I don't see with how good he has been as of late. And now the added usage as a pass catcher, how you can get away from him, even in a tough matchup.
2: Yeah, I don't don't know how you get away from him. Uh, And here's the thing. I don't even know that the match, it it is tough. Uh, It's not as tough as it was earlier in the season, because lately the Eagles have been a little bit softer against the run. So even then, I would have very few concerns about playing James Conner next week. Uh, So Derek Carr. I'm not going to sit here and paint you a picture of Derek Carr playing really great football because that hasn't been the case. But he's gone and had some decent fantasy games in back-to-back weeks, two weeks in a row with 20 fantasy points. This week, he has a very good matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's sort of doing it, I don't really want to call it garbage time because things got really interesting against the Rams on Thursday night. He brought them back through a couple touchdowns, got it to within one score. But he is doing a lot of his work with the Saints down multiple scores. This is one of those things where they don't ask how, they ask how many. And the points have been piling up for Derek Carr, regardless of whether they come early or come late. Chances are you're going to have to endure a really weird interception somewhere in there as well. But then he'll do things like sling it downfield to A.T. Perry or get the ball to Chris Olave. So it's not always the easiest watch when you're talking about Derek Carr. For the last two weeks, he's actually put up decent numbers, and this week he has a good matchup. So weirdly, Derek Carr in two quarterback leagues very much in play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I still, just for the fun factor, want to see Jameis, but I think that ship has kind of sailed, you know? All right, so those are the guys who uh, performed well this past week. Now the disappointments. uh, You got to see these disappointments in person this weekend.
3: There is nothing worse than seeing, like, half of your fantasy teams crash and burn live. (laughs) And that's what happened when I went to watch the Bills and Chargers play. The two teams of my big six that won have Josh Allen. The rest have Stephon Diggs, James Cook, Dalton Kincaid, and James Cook I'll even give a pass. Like, I wouldn't have survived in some places in week 14 or week 15 without his big performance. He had a bunch of volume. You're still starting James Cook. Dalton Kincaid, get away from him. Two Less than two fantasy points in his last two games combined, less than 10 in the three games since Dawson Knox has come back. And the big one, I have Stefan Diggs as a sit this week less than 10 fantasy points per game since week 10, third year in a row where he's puts up his worst stats in December, despite Josh Allen putting up his best numbers. Uh, the Patriots have been stingy. If you survived to get this far with Stefan Diggs, I think you could get away from him in championship.
2: So here's one that we talked about on fantasy live on Tuesday uh, that, that Cynthia put out there, Puka Nakua or Stefan Diggs. Puka, no questions asked. For yeah. That, I mean, that's where she was going to. And I, I think that's the right answer at this point. Cause Stefan Diggs has been meh at best. Uh, for a little while now. Sam Laporta, a big disappointment. We talked about the tight ends. That's sort of underwhelmed, and Florio talked about Trey McBride. Sam Laporta, another one. Fewer than five points this past week for a guy who's been so good all season long. Look, I don't think you chalk this up to anything other than it just kind of happened to be one of those games, right? He only had three targets. He actually caught all three of them, just 18 yards. It was not what you wanted. Hopefully it did not take you out of a championship opportunity. Uh, If it did, sorry. Uh, I mean, I have no control over that, but I'll offer you my (laughs) condolences nonetheless. It took me out of one for sure. Yeah, I mean, it just, it was a bad game at the worst possible time for a lot of fantasy managers. It's just unfortunate, but I still think we're talking about Sam Laporta Uh, as one of the top tight ends off the board. Is he a top three tight end next year in terms of draft? He he might be the tight end one. That's going to be an interesting discussion.
3: It's going to be him versus Hawkinson versus an agent Kelsey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really, really interesting to talk about next year uh, about where Sam LaPorta slots in among tight ends. And uh, he's not a first round pick though. I think, I think we can sort of settle on that, but where, where he slots in the hierarchy is going to be very, very interesting. Um, So speaking of disappointments, I got a lot of problems with you people. You're going to hear about it. Uh, it's time for our Fantasy Festivus. We uh, asked you on Twitter to send us your grievances, the guys that you uh, sort of wanted to just vent about because they let you down, whether it's this week or all season long. Uh, and, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna air some grievances right now. So let's go through some of the tweets. This first one comes from Michael, who says, uh, Every time I benched Gabe Davis, he'd go off for 20-plus. Every time he was in my lineup, he'd put up a goose egg. This week, he was on my bench and doubled up both my flexes combined, Cortland Sutton and Jalen Warren.
3: That sounds about right for Gabe Davis. That is the Gabe Davis experience in a nutshell. (laughs) I, I will say the one thing, looking at his game log, the two big games that he's had in the last like six weeks, Eagles... And Chargers, two great matchups for a wide receiver. Yep. So maybe next year we don't draft him as a top, as a wide receiver three. We take him over as a bench option and we play him in the good matchups.
2: I think that's sort of what it is. I mean, he is the new poster player for better and best ball because oh, you don't want, you don't want to have to put him in your lineup. You don't want to have to guess like Michael did every week and you know, most of the time guess wrong. You just want to have him on your roster. And then when the games like what happened this weekend happen, uh, you can take advantage of it. So, so Gabe Davis. The king of better and best ball. Uh, Leandro says, "Mahomes quote back on track game never came." Uh, I actually tweeted something similar over the weekend. Just that, like, I keep waiting for the Chiefs' offense to get right, and the Chiefs' offense never keeps getting right. Um, I mean, is it over for Mahomes this year? Can it happen in the last
3: it, next week? I guess it can happen. Uh, he has since week. From week eight on, one game where he topped 17 fantasy points, I understand he's been terrible, but you know who's been equally terrible? The Bengals' defense, and that's who he gets next week. So we just saw um, Mason Rudolph torch them. So I I wouldn't—if you somehow survived Mahomes, I don't think you could give up on him yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just been so hard because I think everybody has that same fear of I don't want to put him on my bench and suddenly he goes off for like 30, 35 points. I don't know that the ceiling is that high for him this year, but, you uh, know, maybe we'll see. Uh, Chad tweets, led the league in points, still missed the playoffs. I'm not bitter at all. Josh, is that your burner? <laughs> he says, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, you just got to get that thing in your league where you get like a bonus or something like that for being the league leader in points.
3: My my home league does it. First five playoff spots go by record. Six is most points that of the five of the teams that aren't in the top five in record. I think all leagues should be that way or play like league median each week because this should never be the case where you score the most points and you don't make the. Play. You should get you should get something
2: for it. You know, like have your league mates throw you a few bucks is like a consolation. So, um, uh, in the meantime, uh, sorry, Chad. <laughs> uh, this one from uh, Nick who says. Uh, I should have sold high on ETN when I had the chance. If it makes you feel any better and if you're still playing, I like ETN this week, uh, but I get it. Like at the start of the year, he was doing great. Really, since the mid part of the year, he's been mediocre at best. But I do like his opportunity this week against the Carolina Panthers, especially if Trevor Lawrence can't play or is less than 100%. um, This potentially could be an ETN
3: week. You know the dude in Spongebob who's in like a full body cast yes. all the time? That is uh, is Trevor Lawrence right now. I mean, how many injuries is this guy dealing with? I agree with you, Marcus. I think this is going to be a week where they rely heavily on Travis Etienne.
2: So, yeah. I mean, again, if you survived it, then roll with him for this week. Uh, this one from Finn Cahill. Started Camaro over Breeze Hall, and it lost me two leagues. Hmm.
3: I see the thought process. I do. I had Camara in two leagues as well. Those leagues are no longer fighting for a championship. There you go. So uh, it makes you feel better. Like I get it. Like
2: Camaro is getting a lot of volume. The Rams defense has been just Rams defense is so, so I can't really put my finger on what it is that they do well or do terribly. They're just kind of there, uh, but they were there enough to to shut down Alvin Kamara. Meanwhile, as we talked about Brees Hall going for 40 plus points, um, yeah, uh, Finn, you're going to be thinking about this for a long time. I have no other words of comfort for you that this is just going to weigh on your mind until the drafts next season. Uh, and the last one from Stephen M., Lost Kirk Cousins, Christian Kirk. So maybe you should stop drafting people with Kirk in their names. Uh, Nick Chubb and Mark Andrews this season. Yeah,
3: man, injuries suck. I wish I had some more, you know, comfort for you. In in my home league, where I I had the most points and the best record all year long, I had Christian Kirk, I had uh, Michael Pittman, I had Mike Williams, and a compromised Tyreek Hill, and I lost by five. So it it you could build the best team, that is all you can do. Winning can a do. championship involves a lot of luck. I have a roster that lost
2: <laughs> lost Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson, and Kirk Cousins for the season. Same roster. Lost all three of those quarterbacks. There's nothing you can do sometimes. Year. Sometimes you just, it just is not working for you. Uh, so, Steven, best of luck next season. All right. Uh, we are not done yet. We're going to bring in Matt O'Connor. We're going to talk some waiver wire because you probably still need to make some moves as we get toward championship week. We got that uh, to wrap things up here on the NFL Fantasy Football Show.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Some 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
2: Just because it's week 17 doesn't mean you can't be playing the wire out there. Let's get some of the top waiver wire targets for the week. Our pal Matt Okadas put together his list for your fantasy Super Bowl. Some of the quarterback options available, Joe Flacco, which wild that he's still available, but I guess not as many teams are playing. So I will forgive you. Derek Carr, uh, Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor, who may or may not be the Giants starting quarterback over Tommy DeVito. Stay tuned. Uh, and running back, we got Ty Chandler, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Chase Brown, Khalil Herbert, and Zamir White. Uh... Keep an eye on Josh Jacobs' status. He's been banged up. Uh, some of the wide receivers: Demarcus Robinson, Rashid Shaheed, Joshua Palmer, KJ Osborne, uh, Demario Pop, Douglas, and then DJ Chark uh, over there uh, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. And then some tight ends: Isaiah Likely, Gerald Everett, and Jawan Johnson. By the way, speaking of tight ends, uh, we just talked in the last segment uh, about TJ Hawkinson maybe being in the running to uh, be a candidate to be the top tight end drafted. Well. Uh, We got this news coming in as we were recording the show that TJ Hawkinson has a torn ACL MCL uh, out for the rest of the season and likely a good chunk of next season. By the way, some tight end uh, waiver wire targets before I get too far ahead of myself. Uh, The Colts, the Raiders, the Rams, the Texans and the Broncos all very much in play for your defensive streaming needs. All right. All right. Joining us now, the man who writes the Waiver Wire column every week It is Matt Okada. You can check it out at nfl.com/slash waiverwire. So uh, let's talk through a few of these. Let's start with Derek Carr because I mentioned earlier in the show he isn't playing exactly good. But the fantasy numbers have been pretty good, and the matchup at Week 17 is very good. So even if uh, watching a Derek Carr quarterback game is not always easy on the eyes,
4: Matt, it, it could be a fantasy boon for a lot of people. It has been a lot easier on the fantasy scoreline than it has been the eyes lately. And listen, you can say what you want about Derek Carr, and I'm very well aware that most of it won't be that great. <laughs> but like it or not, he has posted 20-plus fantasy points in two straight games. He had three touchdowns in each of those against the Giants and the Rams. Chris Olave is back in producing. He's got Rashid Shaheed downfield, Alvin Kamara underneath. He's got three tight ends to target in the end zone all of a sudden, all of whom seem capable of catching touchdowns. And even with all of that, you would need a lot of chutzpah and a great matchup to start Carr in fantasy In the finals, but you mentioned it, the matchup in week 17 is incredible. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have allowed the most passing yards in the NFL this season. They are number one or number 32, depending on how you look at it. Uh, 280 yards per game through the air on average. I think Carr is in great shape to record his seventh 300-yard game of the season. If you've streamed your way here to the finals, I think he's your best bet at the title.
3: And... The Giants, look, their quarterback room is a battle of my heart because we have Tyrod, the the drought ender (laughs) for the Bills, and then my guy Tommy Cutlets over there, but uh, DeVito was replaced by Tyrod Taylor this past week. It injected some life into the Giants. They get a great matchup this week. Do you think you could stream the Giants quarterback regardless of who it is, or do you prefer
4: one over the other? I think it's possible you could stream regardless of who it is, but let's be very clear. Either way, this is a desperation 2QB league type of play. This is not someone you're rolling in as a top 10 quarterback necessarily. I do prefer Tyrod Taylor by a little bit, and it's almost entirely because of the rushing, which he has provided many, many times uh, over the course of his career. And as of right now, we don't know who's going to be starting. Brian Dable has been non-committal. Like you said, you know, Tommy DeVito replaced at halftime on Christmas. So tough to say what they'll do going forward. Also, really tough to see that story end in the middle of Christmas night. Come on. Uh, But (laughs) if Tyrod plays, I would be intrigued in fantasy. In just that second half off of the bench, he scored 11 fantasy points before a Hail Mary interception that I don't really count as the clock hit zeros. Uh, And they get the Rams this next week. Derek Carr, who we just talked about, tagged them for 25 fantasy points. They've allowed 18 per game over the last five weeks. 18 points, heck, even 16 points would be good enough as a 2QB stream. So I like either guy, maybe Tyrod a bit more.
2: Yeah, very curious to see who uh, Brian Dable settles on as their starting quarterback. Uh, meanwhile, over in Minnesota, it looks like it's all over for Alexander Madison, which does that mean that Ty Chandler is the Aaron Burr uh, who has mm. assassinated Madison's chances uh, to <laughs> be the lead running back? And more importantly, would if you pick up Ty Chandler,
4: would you start him this week? I would pick up Ty Chandler. I would start him this week. I hope he's not assassinating anybody uh, except <laughs> for your fantasy <laughs> opponents. Um, listen, this past Sunday, he played 65 percent of the snaps. Madison played Four snaps in total. So it does seem like he has taken full control of this backfield. The reports we heard from the coaching staff also back that up heading into last week. And if you look at the numbers, the fantasy output was not great for Chandler last week. Just 7.7 fantasy points. And almost all of those came on a fortunate touchdown run early on. But honestly, I'm not shocked by that stat line. Minnesota expectedly trailed for the entire game against the Lions and their very good run defense. New Year's Eve, they get the Packers. They are favored at home, and Green Bay has allowed the third most rushing yards in the league this season. Back in Week 15, Ty Chandler tagged the Bengals for 25 fantasy points. I think he has that kind of upside, but I'm not projecting it. You also don't need it if you get half that number and be okay in your RB2 or flex spot. So I think he's definitely uh, startable and possibly league winnable this week.
3: Completely agree with you on Chandler there. We spoke about Clyde Edwards-Alaire a bit at the top of the show, but speaking of league-winning potential, given the
4: matchup and
3: potentially the opportunity, we go full circle and finally get league-winning
4: CH. Yeah, this, this is probably the number one league winner uh, on the entire waiver wire this week. He Every year, there's one of these running backs who comes up nearly out of nowhere and wins you a fantasy championship. It looks very probable that could be CEH this week. Jarek McKinnon was placed on IR last week. Isaiah Pacheco took a very unfortunate knee to the head, suffered a concussion on Monday. Pending his status, and I'm expecting him as no doctor by any means to miss Week 17 given the shorter week, this Chiefs backfield will be entirely CEHs against the Bengals. Cincinnati has allowed 17-plus fantasy points to the lead back in four of their last seven games. And two of the other three were against the Steelers, where they allowed 24 points per game to the duo of Najee and Jalen Warren. So, in other words, they can be beaten on the ground. The one time we've seen CEH get 15-plus touches so far this season was in Week 15 against New England, and he had 101 yards and 20 fantasy points in that game. If Pacheco is out, I think CEH is an RB1, could be the RB1, and will absolutely win fantasy championships if you pick him up.
2: Uh, another guy who low key has helped people along throughout the playoffs has been Demarcus Robinson. I mean, we talk about Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua Robinson with a touchdown in four straight games. And I know on some level, it maybe feels like chasing the touchdowns, but, but Matt, he's, he's getting targets. He's getting snaps. This has become
4: uh, he's become legitimately the third wide receiver in Los Angeles i completely agree and it's also also worth noting sometimes you get touchdowns in fluky ways like big downfield plays other times you get touchdowns because you're being heavily targeted in the red red zone and end zone and that's what we're seeing from robinson i'm honestly baffled how he is this available nearly a hundred percent available in nfl.com leagues it's a touchdown and 13 plus fantasy points in four straight games this past week with tutu back he logged season highs in catches and yards And the main thing is Matthew Stafford and the Rams are just so hot right now, which means there is room for Robinson, even with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua both getting theirs. I'm not worried about the return of Tutu. He's simply been too effective and I think has cemented that number three role, like you said. And if you want a roadmap on the fantasy potential for this game against the Giants, look back to the Cowboys in Week 10 when CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup each had 15-plus fantasy points and combined for 87. That's the kind of upside you have against this team when you have talented receivers like the Rams do. I think you can flex Robinson, and I might even be doing it myself in a championship or two.
3: Yeah, with the the Rams on a short week last week, I bet a lot of people did what I did and unfortunately dropped Demarcus Robinson with 2-2 back. Go right that wrong and grab him now. Speaking of that Thursday night game, Rashid Shahid went boom in it. Uh, We know he is as boom or bust as they come, but this matchup, he might have another chance to go boom again this week.
4: Yeah, if you're heavily favored in your fantasy championships, I think Shahid is not the guy. I'd rather go with maybe a guy like Robinson or a few of the other guys in the column, but if you're an underdog or you need some upside, I think he's an excellent play. He has scored a touchdown four times this season and topped 18 fantasy points in all four of those games. That included last week against the Rams. And as I mentioned with Derek Carr earlier, the Bucks have allowed the most passing yards in the NFL this season. They've allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers as a result. And most importantly, they've allowed 49 receptions of 20 plus yards, which is the most in the league. If there's going to be a week you bet on a big play and hopefully a score from Shahid, I think this is it. It's not going to feel safe streaming him in your fantasy championship because it's not, but it would be very rewarding if it hits.
2: All right. Uh, Let's talk about a couple of defenses real quick. You mentioned the the rotating door, potentially a quarterback for the Giants, the Rams defense Uh, streaming option, maybe to take advantage of that this week.
4: Yeah, they've scored double-digit fantasy points just once all season, and it was way back in week six against the Cardinals. So maybe the question is, what I'm, what am I doing here? What I'm doing here is sacking the Giants quarterback because holy mackerel is that easy to do. Whether it's Tyrod or Tommy <laughs> DeVito, I think Aaron Donald and company are going to get some sacks. This offensive line has given up 77 this season, which is not only the most in the league, it's the most in the league by 16 sacks over number two. I know I said you can stream Taylor against this team earlier, but that's primarily because sacks don't count against fantasy points. I think that the Broncos or I think the tie, tie rod, or whoever the quarterback is can turn in a decent fantasy day re- regardless of what else happens. And the Rams will still be startable because of those sacks and have double digit upside.
3: I completely agree with you on the Rams defense this week, but the Broncos, they went out this past week, disappointed a little bit against the Patriots, but they get a chance to make it up against the Chargers, who last week realized how to hold on to the football, but didn't score a whole lot of points. (laughs) Uh,
4: I do not. I'm, I'm pretty sure, Florio, that I am the most disappointed person in the Broncos DST in the entirety of the planet Earth because I started them everywhere and they helped the Patriots Beat the Broncos, and (laughs) now my draft picks for the Patriots are ruined. It was horrific. However, their offense did them absolutely no favors in that game. It was an ugly, ugly performance all around. I think better days are ahead against a Chargers team that is not good on either side of the ball. I think at home in a must-win divisional game for Denver against Easton Stick, we we see the ship get righted. They are currently five and a half point favorites and the Chargers are projected for around 17 points. That's all good stuff for fantasy DSTs. They hung 14 fantasy points on them in their first meeting a few weeks ago, which was the game Herbert left and stick came in. So I think we get another something close to that. Maybe not exactly 14, but double digits are in in the cards for the Broncos. Let's ride.
2: All right. So we're going to ride with the Broncos uh, this weekend, potentially as a a streaming option for Uh, your defense in fantasy. Uh, Check out the entire waiver wire column, NFL.com slash waiver wire. Check out Matt on Twitter at Matt Okada. Matt, thank you, sir. All right, uh, there goes Matt Okada. Be sure to go check him out. Be sure to read his work as well. He's been great all year long. We appreciate him hopping on this show. In the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. Tomorrow, we're previewing the first chunk of the Week 17 slate of games. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, don't blame the holidays. You were fat in August. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you again real soon.
1: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.